0: Hey, this is Jeremy Scheinwald. I'm the host of the Venture for America podcast, the Smart People Should Build Things podcast. And I hope you can today get a sense of how much fun uh, that I'm having. So uh, I'm here with Kristen Tomlin, who is the kind of uh, kind of innovator that I can really appreciate. She started Dough, which is a cookie dough confections company. And uh, I, I really challenge you to look at her website, cookie dough, that's dot com for more than a few minutes uh, without developing a really strong cookie dough craving. The dough comes in almost 20 flavors, Chocolate Dream, PB&J, Salty Sweet, and more. We have some in the studio here, everyone is loving it. Um, They have gluten-free varieties, grain-free varieties, vegan options, Uh, I'm now one of 27,000 Instagram followers and I'm taunting myself with cookie dough imagery on a regular basis. Um, It shouldn't be surprising that Kristen mastered the cookie dough aesthetic. She has a bachelor degree in interior design from the University of Cincinnati, where she was the outstanding interior design senior. And she completed two internships at um, HOK, uh, a world-leading architecture and design firm before spending five years at Lippincott. Which is um, a branding consulting firm experiencing uh, in, in, their, uh, in their experience innovation practice. Uh, Kristen launched Doe in t- December of 2014, and in nine short months has appeared in every outlet from Martha Stewart Weddings to Business Insider to Glamour to the VFA podcast. Uh, it's our pleasure to welcome Kristen Tomlin to the show.
1: Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast.
0: Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy, or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories.
1: This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast.
0: Okay, so I am here with Kristen Tomlin. Kristen, thanks so much uh, for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And thanks so much for putting together an Instagram feed. And I'm going to throw it out there: right, cookie dough, which is D O N Y C, which I'm now following and considering not following because it's <laughs> so. Uh, it just calls out to me to eat a ton of cookie dough each day. That's but, the point. Um, I advise people to check it out because it's it's you're going to be compelled to to buy some cookie dough. Um, So let's get back, let's, let's, this is like super fun stuff for me. Um, You know, we all remember, there's so much nostalgia built into cookie dough, right? So we all remember, you know, sneaking a hand into the bowl and sneaking some cookie dough, maybe when our moms are looking the other direction or something. And, um, you know, I love the product. (laughs) Were you just like, uh, you know, were you... An amateur baker? Were you Were you always, you know, cooking? Or is this something just kind of like, wow, this is a cookie dough is a great idea. Like, was this a, a business idea or was this like a personal interest? Where did it come from?
1: So it started as a personal interest. Um, baking and cooking was always something I had a passion for. I actually grew up in the kitchen alongside my mom, who was a total foodie chef, three-time cookbook author. So I kind of learned the ins and out of the kitchen through her. And although I had no formal training in, in the kitchen, um, it was something that was a present part of my everyday life and it really started as a hobby and then I thought, you know, why hasn't somebody done this? There's a way to make this into a business. Cookie dough, half the time I made it, it, it never made it to the oven, so I had to figure out a way to actually make it into a real business and share it with everybody else.
0: And so tell me how this business came along because I know it wasn't as simple as kind of like, okay, I'm going to... Whip up some a uh, couple batches and start selling it. It, it was a lot more complicated. And there was a lot more consideration in that, and I know there are, there were a few iterations. So why don't you tell me where where how and where it all started?
1: Yeah, of course. So it actually the idea started. I was on a girls trip with some friends in Philly. We went to lunch and then had a craving for something sweet right after. So we went to a cookie shop and they had all of these fresh baked cookies. And we decided, I, I went to this, the freezer section and they were selling their cookie dough. And I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna forego the baked cookies. I'm gonna grab a tub of this cookie dough. And we ended up leaving, sitting in the car and passing around this tub of cookie dough. So we were just all laughing and kind of chatting about our jobs. And, and, we, and I thought, you know, why hasn't somebody done this? Why isn't this an actual thing where you can go to a shop and just buy cookie dough and have it safe to eat? So that was kind of like the light bulb moment, and I came home and I was talking with my my husband and who just sits on the couch and eats you know bowls of <laughs> cookie dough so of course he said, "Yeah, this is a great idea, like let's actually think about this and do it so the initial concept was. Coldstone Creamery meets cookie dough. So you were to go into the shop, um, the plan was that you start with an empty base, whether it's our signature chocolate chip base, peanut butter base, sugar cookie, and then you add your own mix-ins, your own candy, sprinkles, and they mix it on the spot, and then you get to decide whether you wanna eat it right there, Wait eight minutes to bake it into a fresh cookie, mix it into ice cream. The options were kind of endless. I wanted to give people the ability to eat cookie dough exactly how they want to eat it. And so we started planning for this retail store concept. And that is originally what the business plan was for. Um, but we took a step back and, you know, I thought, I don't have any operations experience in running a restaurant, especially in New York City. The investment was, was, going to be quite high and um so many so many small businesses and restaurants in the food industry fail so i thought let's just launch it online first and see if it even is something that people like there wasn't a direct competitor that i could look to and say oh it it is going to be successful because this already exists there's already a market for it so i just decided to switch gears and do an e-commerce site almost as a proof of concept um so that's kind of how it all started.
0: And and it started from your kitchen, right?
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. It started from my kitchen. And now it's funny, because we can laugh about it to this day. But I live in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn Heights, with my husband. And my kitchen is tiny. It's a little tiny L-shaped. The There's a dishwasher, luckily, but it's only a half dishwasher. It's, like, underneath the sink. And there's maybe two feet of counter space. And... I mean, the whole apartment's 450 square, square feet. It's very tiny, one bedroom. Um, and so I started this in my kitchen because I, you know, got this great new professional mixer for our, our wedding. And um, and I, again, didn't know if it was going to take off. So we originally started it there. We, we moved in two commercial sized freezers, moved out all of our wedding gifts, had a like a pop-up table in the middle of our living room. We were swimming in cookie dough and and very quickly learned that we obviously could not do it out of our apartment any longer.
0: Imagine the two of you guys like crawling into bed at the end of the evening and, <clears throat> and at the end of an evening of hard work and there being like a bunch of containers between you guys and boxes because there's just nowhere to put it.
1: That's basically what it was. We luckily left the bedroom was the only place that didn't have Ingredients or packaging stored. We took over the like vestibule of our building and had <laughs> packaging up to the ceiling. It was quite comical. People would come in and, and and at the beginning that was really the only way that our friends or family would be able to see us because we were just drowning in the amount of work. And so I would say, well, come over and you can. I'm gonna put you to work, but you'll, we'll at least get to chat and catch up. And
0: true bootstrapping. You're you know taking advantage of free labor. And oh, a hundred
1: percent. It was. Like we had contests between friends about who was the best employee, even though obviously none of them were getting paid, except for I was like, eat as much cookie dough as you possibly <laughs> can. Um, but yeah, we we bootstrapped it from the beginning, and looking back on it now, it's it's comical because we are we've come so far in such a short amount of time, but. It's. we're very glad to, that it's no longer in our apartment
0: no I've been I've been passing on cookie dough around the studio already and I think we're starting to see people who may be wanting to volunteer to get paid in cookie dough already so uh, our, our tech Brian is uh, is, is nodding yes um. it's not a terrible
1: gig it's not a terrible gig
0: um, so okay, so, you, so you're you're in your you're in your in your small Brooklyn apartment. It's taking over um, your it's t- it's taking over your, your, your apartment, but it's it's actually not fully taking over your schedule. You're still working at Lippincott at the time, which is a a, a branding um, uh, agency. And how are you juggling that? Like, what, what's what? Are they looking at you? Are you showing up at work with like maybe some flour, you know, on your forehead and, uh, you know, Basically. maybe baggy eyes because you were up late cooking?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. So I had a full time job. I started this off the side of my desk and didn't realize that it would. It, it took off way quicker than I had imagined, which was a great problem to have. But I was, you know, going into work and. At 9 a.m., I was there at least till six or seven, and then I was coming home and staying up till some days 2 a.m., some days 4 a.m. Just making cookie dough, packaging, Um, logistics was a nightmare in the beginning because you know when I started this company, I baking was my passion, and I wanted to share these treats with everybody. But making it is one thing; it's it's a challenge to actually get it to them, whether it's shipping or in the city or um, you know picking up. At that point. Picking up, they, what were they going to do? Come to my apartment and like <laughs> pick up their cookie dough. So it was it was a challenge at first um, to to figure out the logistics because both my husband and I had full time jobs, and um, there was never enough time in the day to get what we needed to get done.
0: And you, I mean, working at a at a at a branding agency was that. Obviously, I would assume it would be hugely beneficial if you're trying to design packages and design websites and get a real concept out there.
1: Yeah, it was. So working at Lippincott was, was great. I learned so much about building a brand and developing, you know, this holistic concept and thinking about things um every aspect of the the business as far as what the consumer sees so my role there actually I worked in the group called the experience innovation group so my role for large brands was thinking about the customer journey from start to finish, um, how they interacted with the brand on social media, you know, what their experience was purchasing the product or service, and then how the brand was able to stay in touch with these consumers and get them back in the door. So that was my, tr- my you know, formal my, my real job at first when I, I was calling it now, obviously this is my real job. But um, so it helped me think about all of the different aspects of developing this brand. Product is number one. I think that the product needs to speak for itself. It needs to be delicious, but there's so many other aspects that need to go into developing developing the product and supporting the product. Um, yeah, like the the website and the packaging, all of that. You know, my design degree, People always ask, what's your you know what's your background, what's your degree?" And I say interior design, and they're they kind of are taken aback. they They think, you know you don't have a business degree, you don't have a a pastry degree. and um, it, but really learning what I learned at Lippincott and also in school, I used kind of all of that, my my passion for baking, my design experience, my um, my marketing experience at Lippincott, and really just bootstrapped it from the beginning.
0: So how long were you wearing two? How long were you wearing two hats? One being a chef's hat, and uh, uh, I guess there's no hat for a Lippincott. Lippin' Cat team baseball cap or something <laughs> like that for F four. And and what really? At what point were you like, look, this is? I gotta make I gotta make a move towards cookie dough.
1: Yeah. So we did a soft launch on our website in December, and um, right before Valentine's Day, we were. Really crazy busy, and that was the time that I thought, okay, this is really something that I need to concentrate my time on. I obviously wasn't sleeping, and um, so right around Valentine's Day, I decided that I needed to look at options of of leaving Lippincott. Um, so I went to my boss and, you know, asked if I could go down to two days a week, thinking that it would I would get way more time.
0: And was this totally stealth at this point? Was your boss aware that you were doing this? Or oh this yeah, a, my boss okay. was super supportive <laughs> from the get-go. Customer.
1: Well, so yeah, you know, he was. Not only that, he was a customer, but he—I had initially pitched this idea to him when we were on a business trip in Arizona. We're sitting at the pool at the W and talking, and and I told him he—he he actually said he said, you know, I need to figure out. He was trying to think. He's always trying to think of like new ideas. He's—he's he's very smart. He's a very much like a concept. Driven person, um, and he said he's like, I need to figure out what the next cupcake craze is, and I said, I said, Randall, I already know what it is. It's cookie dough, and I had this idea. And at that point, I hadn't even started the business plan, but I said, I was like, it's gonna be the name of it's just gonna be dough, D O, spelt phonetically, and the logo is gonna just it's just gonna be really simple. It's gonna be colorful and playful, and like I had this vision, but at that point, I it wasn't really I was I was happy in my job I enjoyed it I I wasn't really considering leaving my job to to start this business that I hadn't really you know given a ton of thought to so he knew from the beginning that that I was interested in it and then when I started um, developing it he was a great mentor for me I could he's very honest so I would go to him with you know, questions or, or his thoughts. And he would sometimes come over to my desk and say, well, why aren't you working on dough? What's going on with dough? What's, you know, what's the latest? And I would laugh at him and I'd say, Randall, you've got to stop giving me work. I'm busy. I'm working, you know, 50 hours plus a week on just project work at Lippincott. So like I didn't have a ton of time to do it, to do it on, on the side. Um, And then we decided finally, we're like, we really need to give this our, You know, we we still weren't planning on quitting our job. So I needed to concentrate on the business plan and like actually make it make it more real. So he was supportive from the get go. So it was no surprise when I came to him and said, Randall, I something needs to change. I'm like not sleeping. I'm I'm crazy. I need to really concentrate on this business. Now's the time to do it. Um, So he was supportive the whole way.
0: And, and and so you hadn't rented any space at that point you're still out of your own kitchen out of and my kitchen so so and the next so you the next stage is renting space but um, you you hinted at this already the the business plan there was a bit of like consideration of different models how did you how did you work that out
1: yeah so we um, right around valentine's day when we finally decided, okay, we got to like make some, some big decisions and some moves. We went and toured a bunch of different kitchen spaces. Uh, New York is a great city to start a food business. They have a lot of incubators, shared kitchen spaces that allow small businesses to, you know, keep their overhead low and rent a allotted amount of time. And so we went and toured them. And, and the other, the other issue was a lot of them are a little bit You know, in Brooklyn and Queens and Harlem, and we. We knew that our pickup and delivery business, courier business in the city was going to be a big portion of our sales, and we didn't want to be located in a place that was inconvenient for our customers. So we, after touring the space and the logistics just weren't going to work out, um, we weren't going to be saving that much money to be in those locations, so we decided to look for our own space, um, and whether it was taking over an existing kitchen or building out our own. We found a space. um, It's a second floor unit on Second Avenue that was originally supposed to be an office space. And we went in and negotiated with the landlord and said, we want to build this out to be a commercial kitchen space. Can you accommodate? He also luckily owned a plumbing company. So he helped install the three compartment sink and was like, you know, ripped up the carpet. And we put down hard flooring and, you know, getting it ready to know that Ultimately, the health department would be in, and we would have to go through the inspection process, and everything had to be up to standards. It was; it could no longer be something that we were just doing out of our kitchen.
0: I would imagine that people listening to the show uh, would just assume, like, okay, you start whipping up batches and shipping it all around, you know, uh, the country, and and, that, and that's it. But I mean, how complicated is the permitting, and the, how many permits did you need to get? How often is the health uh, inspector there? How many? How did you, did you have to file with, you know, 50 different states to start shipping food to different countries, to different uh, states? Could you ship to different countries? Yeah, um, so there's a answer, lot. Answer all those in one. Okay, so yeah, okay. Yeah. I
1: want, one time. So when I started this company, <laughs> I was, obviously, baking was the number one, my passion, and but I never really understood that logistics were gonna be such an important important role in, in building this business. So that was um and still is a little bit of a, a headache and a challenge that we figure out as we go. But as far as I mean, New York State, nothing is clear and easy and you know, simple. They don't make. It's not like they have one website that tells you all of the things you need to do. It was a lot of research, a lot of chasing people down, asking, being sent from this department to this department to this department, and and asking a lot of questions. We had a lot of um, permitting, and luckily, um, you know, in the beginning, we were underneath certain thresholds in the food industry where we didn't have to pay taxes, we didn't have to do certain things. It's up. It's like you're selling a certain volume of product or a certain number of units we were underneath that threshold threshold um so we were but we had to show that we were exempt from all of these different things in order just to get the health department in we had to you know we at this point had started to hire employees so we had to have all of our you know paperwork for that all of our workers comp all of our insurance and and all of that submitted before the health department will even give you the time of day so once you have all of that in, they basically it was, it's a scary process because not being formally trained in um, in the food industry, it was it was something that we, it, I was dreading the health inspection because they come and they but they don't they don't tell you. They give you a window, a 28 day window, and they said they're going to somebody's going to show up. During business hours. So you're going to be in the middle of production. It's not like we could just wait around for 28 days and not make anything. But they like to catch you when you're in the middle of it to make sure that you're actually, you know, doing everything according to um, the health department code. So they they came in and I immediately looked at my team and we're like, OK, it's a go. Luckily, we have you know, we were all trained on, on what to do. And um, one thing from the beginning, I got I met with a couple of people in the food industry that had other small businesses, and their advice to me was to get my New York State food handler's license early on, which is basically something that allows you to handle food, and um, there has to always be one person in the facility that has that license to train the other employees and make sure that the operations are um, going according to the to the health department standards. So it's a series of you know 15 different tests online, and then you go to a testing center and you take a a cumulative test over everything um and and so that was that was one of the the many many steps but luckily we passed with flying colors the the guy was he was great he was like you know i wish every business was was this great because our our kitchen which now that people knew we were at second avenue we have customers come in all day long so we we were operating this this kitchen space slash office space um Obviously, it needs to be clean for health department standards. But because we have customers in our kitchen, we basically it has to be clean all day long, and right. we ha- we can't be doing things where when people walk in and and they you know anything that's unsanitary because people see right through that. And the last thing we wanted was somebody to to see something that wasn't that wasn't right. So we that was like training day one is is all of everything that needs to be up to standards. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast, a show about entrepreneurs and their stories.
0: So is it one of these things where if you pass New York, you can start shipping and like what works in New York, works in New Jersey, works in California, you can start shipping?
1: So the shipping within the United States, we don't have trouble shipping to other states because we have passed our certification in New York City and that's where it's produced. We are able to ship to the other states. It is extremely, extremely difficult to be shipping a perishable dairy product to other countries because they have different standards, different taxes. Customs is a little bit of a a nightmare. So we haven't cracked that Yet we also ship our product overnight, um, which, you know, we have requests to sh- to ship it to the Philippines and Dubai, but we just can't do that right now. Um, but that's not saying that we can't do it in the future. That we, you know, we wouldn't be able to figure it out.
0: And you have people walking in off the street somehow, and you're like, "How did you find out about us?" Like, tell tell me about a, tell us a little bit about the walk-in traffic from around the world.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because we we get people that are from Australia and Sweden and all different places that when they come to visit New York somehow they have found out about us and they that is one of their first stops in the city and they you know a lot of them barely speak English but they just have to have this cookie dough and so it's it's really it's really great to have that interaction with customers and find out how they how they found out about us and um at the end of the day, I just want to make people happy, and like everybody has had a really great response to our product, and it's really cool that people from other countries are, are coming in, and um, and I think it, most people say that they learn about it on social media, hmm. which is has amazing amazing powers these days.
0: Right. So take me like how how serious a business is testing a recipe? Is it like I've got an idea let's put them together or do you have focus groups are you the focus group
1: yeah so the testing process is um it's long and it's we've gotten it down to a science now but at first there was a lot of back and forth because we're using we're not using a typical egg product which is normally in in cookie dough so we had to
0: which is is because you want to be able to ship it and have it stay fresh
1: well also we want it to be safe to eat in edible in its edible state so that there's no chance of any sort of salmonella or you know foodborne illness so we it was so we had to substitute different things in for that product that's missing so it was a lot of a lot of testing and back and forth and the other thing that's important for our product is that it's it's edible, unbaked, but you could also bake it. So we needed to test both what it tastes like when it's unbaked, and then how does it perform once you bake it?
0: That's interesting. Um, I thought about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and cooking, uh, when you're cooking savory, it's okay to throw in a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but baking comes down to a science. So it's it's very, it's it's been a learning curve for me, because baking in your kitchen and, and doing a half a cup of this and a teaspoon of this is not how baking for a business works. You We had to, you know, translate our recipes and measure everything out to the gram. So everything, if somebody were to ask, oh, what's your recipe for at-home chefs, I would have to go back and translate all of the recipes back into cups and teaspoons because we don't use any of those measuring tools anymore. Um, We also have a lot of flavors that are, that can be made vegan and gluten-free. That was an important part of um, developing my business because I'm gluten intolerant and I wanted to create a product that everybody could enjoy, regardless of their lifestyle restrictions or dietary restrictions or allergies. Um, so not only was were we testing our regular flavors, we were testing our gluten-free and vegan flavors. With um, I would bring in, I have photos. It's it's funny to my to Lippincott, We would have I would have panels of people. I would have you know five or six different. Um, the same flavor with just a little bit of this different or a little bit of that different and everybody would try it in its unbaked state and its baked state rate it on its um, you know what it looks like what it tastes like what it feels like etc., so that we could evaluate and um, you know and find the perfect recipe for all of our different varieties. So it's it's um it's quite a process, but now we've got it down to a little bit of a science. And when we're developing new recipes, we always have um, seasonal recipes. So we um, look for, you know, what is right now we're for the summer, we're doing a lemon basil flavor, which is really, it's effervescent, it's light, it's it's really nice for the summer. Um, but we take cues from the holiday season or change up the color the sprinkle color for Valentine's Day. so we we always are testing new things and we've got it down a little bit more to to a science now that I have a, a team of people helping with that.
0: So you've consumed like a, I have to imagine you've consumed a ton of cookie dough. Uh, can you be objective at this point about a new recipe and and how much cookie dough are you consuming on a daily basis?
1: Yes. On a daily basis, I probably eat at least six ounces of cookie dough, which for normal measurement, that's about the equivalent of six cookies, (laughs) which seems like a lot. But I think I'm my body just must be immune to it. Because everybody that walks in is like, how are you guys not overweight? Like, if you eat cookie dough all day. But it's part of my job. Some days, to be honest, I am so busy that all I get to do is, like, grab the extras from the batch that was just made and have a cup of coffee and, like, I'm off to my next meeting or or have to get something out um, the door. So some days that's cookie dough and coffee is, like, my staple. But at the same time, like we have to try it all day long. Um, as far as testing out new flavors, we, like I mentioned, we we try it in all of the different varieties and we have now, now that we have a lot of walk-ins, we ask people that walk in to try our new flavors and tell us what they think. And And I try to think we, we, we're really critical so if something's like a little bit dry when it's baked or it's a little bit crumbly or, or something isn't working, we are the first ones because we eat so much of it. We know what's good and what's bad and how to make it right if it's not.
0: A few weeks back, we had Noah Glasson, who's uh, the CEO of uh, founder and CEO of, of, uh, of Olo, and they run back end ordering for Chipotle and Five Guys and a whole bunch of other um, brand name uh, restaurants. And he had some amazing consumer insights about, like, you'll have a salad on Monday, and you'll have a burger on Friday. What Do you have any consumer insights about people's uh, the way people interact with food via cookie dough? Is there one day? Or, uh, tell yeah. me what your consumer you insights are. You know
1: what's interesting about about that is that we actually historically have found that Mondays are our busiest day of the week.
0: I'll tell Noah, because he said you ordered a salad, but maybe, maybe you're anticipating <laughs> it for later in the well, week. Well, I think yeah. there's,
1: there's either two things, or my theory. I don't know. We need to do a little bit more research about this, but I think that either people found out about it over the weekend right. by their friends or saw it on social media and it looked great. They just were out and didn't, you know, weren't near their computer. We, You can order on your mobile phone. But um, a lot of people, I think they either are back at their office on Monday sitting down at their desk and are like, oh, I that cookie dough, I have to remember to order it. Or... I think maybe people are having, like, a case of the Mondays and not having a good day, so they (laughs) order cookie dough in hopes that it, you know, livens up their day or they have something in their week to look forward to, or they're just anticipating. Um, We do a lot of gift-giving and and events, and they're anticipating an upcoming thing that weekend and realize, oh, I'm going to this party. I need to bring some sort of hostess gift or something like that. So Mondays, I don't know. I don't know what it is.
0: That's interesting. Um, I will pass it along to Noah. Have you ever, like, things happen very quickly? And, um, you know, you talked about (laughs) your apartment, which is such a great visual. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever been just been so slammed that you've had to, have you always met demand? Have you had to turn away business?
1: So, initially, when we started um, and I had a full time job, we were running on a seven to 10 day lead time, Mm. which turned a lot of people off because a lot of people are impulsive. They want, you know instant gratification when they order cookie dough they wanted it the next hour which wasn't how we were initially set up i was little did people know i had a full time job i wasn't disclosing that on on the website but um yeah people thought that they could get it that same day or the next day so we we had to turn people away or cancel orders because we had to explain, you know, it takes seven to 10 days to, to actually make. And luckily we've gotten that down. We're now turning things around in 24 to 48 hours. And we also have a lot of, um, a variety of flavors that we make extra every day that people, like I said, come in off the street. We also, if somebody were to, you know, email or order that day and say they needed it that day, we usually can fulfill orders the same day, especially for delivery in the city, um, so, but at first, yeah, it was. We were running on a seven to ten day lead time, which isn't good for any, any food business. <laughs>
0: right. What uh, so? And and what is? What's the busiest? I'm assuming Valentine's Day is the biggest, busiest day of the year. Um, is that the case?
1: Yes, Valentine's Day to date has been our busiest um, time of year, but we. With that said, we did, you know, last holiday season was really just a soft launch, and we were really only up and running for three weeks of December. So I anticipate this upcoming holiday season to be... Very busy. We're really excited about it. We have lots of great flavors coming out. We've got a peppermint bark one. Our cake batter is changing to a holiday colors. We have a hot cocoa flavor. So there's oh, lots of cocoa. yeah. Mm. It has little mini marshmallow bits and marshmallow fluff <laughs> mixed in. It's really yummy. But um, so so far Valentine's Day was has been the biggest. But we see spikes. Um, you know Mother's Day, Father's Day, gift giving times of year. Um, this summer, we had a lot of uh, visiting day camp mm. requests, like overnight camp gifts that are sending to their kids. Um, We're Starting back to school, which is, um, you know, a lot of parents are sending care packages to their kids off at college, which has been really popular. So,
0: hmm. so you kind of, you're getting the, 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 you know, online Slash mail order model, you know, down. Does this can this can this succeed in 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 this incarnation, or do you do you feel like you have to move towards a retail model? Can it be mail order cookie forever?
1: Um, Possibly. You know, that's what we're trying to figure out right now. Is um, what our next big move is? Is e commerce really the way we're going to concentrate, and um, that has its own set of implications. Are we? Is I still think that the retail idea would be a very um, a concept that would work well in New York. That's the number one request we get is when are you opening up a storefront. Um, and also, we're looking into the wholesale route as well because a lot of people also ask us where else is this available? What grocery stores can I buy this? So all three of those different um, different paths have very different implications, different strategies, and. Not saying that we need to concentrate on just one. None of them live in a silo. We could potentially do all three and explore all three options, which is what we're doing right now. But we're trying to trying to figure out what our next big move is.
0: So cupcakes kind of came and went as a fad, and crumbs, in particular, you know, notably went public, and there was kind of you can actually see a bubble there because they went public and then they you know, went broke, um, and now they're back actually. So. How do you create a long-term cookie dough experience? How much business do you have now that's that's repeat business?
1: So cookie dough is not something that's new, obviously. People have been making cookies and purchasing cookie dough for many, many years. Um, so I think that this play can be something that's long-term. We try to take something that's really classic and you know, use that nostalgia and have a little bit of a modern twist with our flavor combinations and our thinking about the brand holistically. We're trying to really build something and and do it better and differently than the others out there. Um, That said, we have a lot of repeat business. We have our regulars that come in every single week, that get it shipped every, you know, so that they always have some in their freezer or their fridge. Um, which is which is great for us. It's it's a testament to the product and customer service. And they, you know, a lot of people gift it again and again and again to different people because who doesn't love cookie dough? I,
0: I don't want to meet. I don't want to meet that person. <laughs> um, so with with a product that's so much fun, I'm kind of imagining that you've got like Willy Wonka, you know, style production on uh, on the on the east side of New York. Um, you know, does business culture just create itself?
1: A little bit. Um, to be honest, it's a really fun, happy place to work. Um, when I was, you know, with my background in, in design, I, when I, we were building out this kitchen, I didn't want it to just all be stainless steel and white walls. The The space is, is actually really bright and colorful. It has a polka dotted wall. It has these fun chandeliers, you know, colorful logos. And um, I wanted it to be a, a place, because we spend so much time there, that is really fun to work in. Um, obviously, my team is great, and I they they love their job. But um, it's for us. It, it's a we're making cookie dough, so you have to make it fun. It's a it's a brand that we take. We obviously take. What we're making very seriously, we're committed to having a really great product and delivering exceptional um, customer service. But at the end of the day, like we like to have fun with it. We are, you know, blasting music all day long, and we invite people in to our kitchen. And it's almost like how everybody kind of hangs out in the kitchen of their own home. It's like, you know, this is this is who we are. This is our company. Come on in, have a taste of this. It's fresh from the mixing bowl. We like to create an experience that's. Um, fun and, and different. It's not like we're doing things, you know, necessarily behind closed doors and you go to a bakery and you never get transparency into what the kitchen is like or what the operations are like. You just see a, a pretty cupcake. But we try to invite people along for that experience.
0: We talked about this a little bit before the show. You're, you're, you're up to three full-time staff members and like six, seven interns at a time. So it's a busy place now. Um... But you mentioned something before the show about kind of trying to tease out people's personalities via a questionnaire. Tell us a little bit about that, and, and tell us about some of the quirky questions you're asking.
1: Yeah, that's actually kind of funny. We laugh about it now, everybody that um, that that works with us, because I send out this really kind of dorky questionnaire, and it's kind of, it's, for one, for me, it's a way to weed out the people that I, you know, don't necessarily think will fit, but it's also, it's an email interview, I call it, and it's... I disclose information about myself. I say, this is a little bit about me, and this is what the company's like, and these are kind of your day-to-day tasks. But for us, it's important that our, you know, we have the chemistry, we have a small team, we work in a small space, so that we all get along. So for me, it's also to learn a little bit more about these potential candidates. So there are questions on there. Like, I I feel like it's like a match.com. Like, I'm, like, Mm -hmm. setting up a dating profile because it's like, what's your perfect Saturday? You know, what would be your ideal... Your ideal cookie flavor. Um, you know, who is your most hated reality TV star? Who, um, like, what kinds of things do you, what would your last meal request be? Just trying to, like, not be so serious and try to get to know somebody a little bit um a little bit so it's not so rigid and and then we can also get an idea of like what their writing skills are like and um I asked them what their ideas would be for developing the brand and and just try to get a sense of what they're all about uh before they before they were to even come in for an interview or set up a phone interview so it's funny but we all look back and say oh what did you put for this answer what you know what's what is your biggest pet peeve I said this and we pull up these emails and we all laugh about it now because it's comical to see what their answer was then. And like some people are very like formal about it. Some people just ramble on and it's, it's It's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Uh,
0: Last question. So you, you know, you you said earlier that you you come from a design background, um, no formal business training. You're, you know, you got this off the ground through bootstrapping. What are some of the big lessons that you've learned since, since starting? Um, You know, what are some of the surprises and some of the lessons that you've learned?
1: So the biggest lesson I've probably learned is that no one knows your vision or your brand as well as you do, and you really have to go with your gut on things because some things thing I mean things are happening so quickly you have to make decisions very quickly and just move on you can't really look back and you know think about what if um, so so my advice would be to really just go with your instinct and and sometimes you don't have a a necessarily a rational decision or time to figure out a rational decision. You just have to like decide this or that and just go with your gut.
0: Okay, that was supposed to be the last question. But can oh. you give us an example <laughs> of a time when you had one of those one of those uh, instances where you're like, um, I don't know, I don't have a lot of time to think about this. I'm just gonna go with my gut on it.
1: Yeah, um, I would say like a lot of people. There are people that are like can be very pushy and bring opportunities to your attention and say you know we want to create this relationship or we want we think it would be a great idea for you to we want to partner with you and open up your first door front and this is all the details we'll do all of this xyz and and sometimes I just feel like for me we've just had to say you know what no now's not the right time like Whatever the case may be, it may be a really great opportunity, and it, it may sound perfect, but a lot of times, like, you just got to stick with your gut guns and, like, I don't know, maintain, like, the integrity of what you sought out to do, and um, a lot of things sound lucrative and really great, but you can't just always say yes. You really have to be strategic about about what you're doing.
0: The serious business. Cracky dough. No.
1: Yes. Very serious. <laughs>
0: awesome. Thanks so much for being here. This was so much fun.
1: Thanks for having me, this was awesome.